Luke chapter 5. Early Wednesday morning, about 2 in the morning, the Lord wouldn't let me sleep. He gave me this passage of scripture and a few others. There's nothing like spending the early morning with Jesus. And this message may be not for everybody. I think it's part of it's for everybody. Some of it's very specific for some of you. But it's for all of us as a church. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats laying in the edge of the lake. But the the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. So he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your net for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, and saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch which they had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, for now you will be catching men. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the rhema of the spirit. I thank you for the word of God, which is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. That you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that in hearing the word, they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I believe that we have come into a new season as a church. And I believe that you have come into a new season as the families of this church. God rarely does anything corporately that he does not do individually. And so I believe that what God is doing in us as a church is a corporate body. He's doing in individual members who will be open and sensitive to the voice of God. I want to begin uh, this morning by simply issuing a word of warning. A word of alarm. 
to those who might feel as though your spiritual life has grown lukewarm or, or it's beginning to uh, tend towards that. There is a great danger in drifting. It's been said that no one has to do anything to go to hell. It's so easy to go to hell. And it is very easy to lose the spiritual ground that you gain in, in moments of revival and awakening in your heart and your spirit. It is very easy to, to drift into complacency, into conformity, into comfort. So I want to speak to some few of you who perhaps have missed out on what God has been doing here at the church because you've been drifting along. And I don't mean to be so direct this morning, but I don't know any other way but that, so I'm going to just be myself. Is that all right with you? If you put a, a boat near the dock and don't tie it down, it will drift away. And before you know it, that boat will be in the middle of the lake by no effort, having done nothing to get out there, it will just drift. And that is the tendency of the, of the spirit of man to drift. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, a solemn warning given by the writer of Hebrews. He says, he warns us not to drift. Not to let time and the currents of time and, and life just take us along. And all of us have been there. I don't, I don't uh, warn you this morning as someone who has not experienced this myself. I have been that drifting boat. You can be in the ministry and be drifting. You can have a, a, a ministry and be, be drifting away from, from your nearness to God. You can be someone who has a title, a position. You can be a long-time member of the church. You can be a long-time member of the body of Christ. doesn't stop anybody from drifting. There has to be an anchor in your heart that ties you to God. See, because when you drift, it's not that you lose relationship with God. It's that you lose fellowship with Him. That is the terrible cost. The, the terrible uh, price of drifting is the loss of fellowship. The Almighty. So this morning I feel that heaviness in my heart as I, as I uh, challenge you with this word that God, God gave me in the, in the early morning hours that He wants us as a church to be fervent. We live in dangerous times. We live in moments of, of great danger for our nation and in the spiritual sense we are in, a, in perhaps the greatest crisis America's ever known. And yet there is no time for the church to drift along without conscience as to what is going on. And this morning we come to the story of the call, of the, the beginning of the call of a man named Peter. Peter was a fisherman. Any fisherman in the house? None. All right. That's any fisherman in the house? Fisherwomen, maybe? All right. There's one over there. Peter was a fisherman. He owned Simon Peter Fishing Incorporated. The Bible says that he was on the Sea of Galilee. He lived in Capernaum, a small town on the sea coast of the, of the Galilean Sea. And he was... 
a typical fisherman. But he had a call on his life. God had a purpose for him. He had a design, a desire for his life. And scripture says that he had fished all night. He'd gone out on the sea and he had done what he had done every night, I suppose, since his childhood. And he had fished all night and he had, he had worked hard. It was a hard job to cast that net. To pull in that net and to find nothing. He would throw it out again, no doubt, and again catch nothing. And this went on all night long. It wasn't an unusual experience, but it was a frustrating one. You know, when you go fishing, you like to catch at least something, right? You don't want to come home and say, I got nothing. At least a piece of spare tire or something. Just let me catch something. Peter said he he caught nothing. And this is a, a, a reality for some of you who maybe you have cast your net and you have caught nothing. Maybe in your life you have, you have sought out the pleasures of the world. You have sought out the, the things that can satisfy the soul and you have found your nets empty. That is the sad condition of the human heart that we try to find that which can complete us, that which can fill us. And and the casting of that net can be that analogy for our lives of how oftentimes we try so many things and we come up empty. How many of you know that you have cast your net in the, in the well of pleasure and come up empty? You've cast your net in the ocean of, of, of financial of prosperity and come up empty. You maybe have caught, cast your net in the, in the ocean of relationships and have come up empty and in the ocean of, of intellect and education and have come up empty. Because the fact is, church, that none of those things can satisfy the human heart. None of those things can fill that emptiness and the void that God put within you that would draw you to himself. G.K. Chesterton said that every man that entered a brothel was really just looking for God. It's a hard statement, but I want you to think about it. Every man that ever entered a gentleman's club, he was actually looking for God. Looking for something to satisfy the craving of the nature of man. But there is nothing in a brothel or in a pub or in a grocery store or a supermarket or a university or even in a religious church that can fill the heart of man. Nothing. But I believe more specifically for us as a church that this casting of the nets is that, is a, is a, is a An analogy of past seasons. There have been seasons in the life of this church where we have cast the net. And it seems like have come up empty. Maybe seasons in the life of your ministry where you have cast the net and it seems like you've come up empty. Maybe things didn't turn the way you thought or maybe it didn't seem like you got the harvest or the, or the outcome that you were looking for. 
It's a hard reality and we grow to accept that as just the providence of God. Can I get an amen in here tonight, this morning? We say, well, it was God's will, and it is God's will. Sometimes we pull up an empty net. Peter pulled up his nets and was empty. And scripture said in the early morning he went back to the shore, and he was sitting, and he was cleaning out his nets. He was done. Finished. Ever been done? Some of you in here have said, I'm done. I'm done with God. I'm done with church. I'm done with reading the Bible. I'm done with praying. Somebody said, I'm not going to pray anymore. God never answers my prayers. Well, you're praying to win the lottery. I guess he didn't answer. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm done, I, I'm, I'm quitting, I, I'm giving up, this isn't working. Maybe like Peter, you're sitting on the shore. Now this is the thing about Peter, Peter was, was sitting on the shore, but while he was cleaning out his nets, while he was done, Jesus began to teach. This is what I love about Jesus, is that Jesus is a teacher. Did you ever have a teacher that wasn't a teacher? I mean, a teacher in name only, they, they didn't really care if you got it or not. They were just there to give you information. But then you have every once in a while a teacher that's a teacher. A teacher that will sit with you and wait until you get it. That will wait until the light bulb comes on. That will wait until the light comes through. That's the kind of teacher Jesus is. Jesus is the teacher's teacher. And oh, how patient is our teacher. Aren't you glad today that you and I have a patient teacher? That he is so patient, so long-suffering. For some of you, he's been waiting with you, patiently waiting for 20 years. 15 years. But he's going to wait with you and wait by you because he is a committed teacher. He is committed to your spiritual growth. He is committed to you becoming the man or woman that God made you to be. Jesus Christ has not given up on you. I said Jesus Christ has not given up on you. Peter is done, but he's learning. This is kind of the contradiction in the story. He's done, but he's learning. Now let me just ask you something. Do you teach anybody that's done? Why would you teach somebody that's done? You don't go to a 90-year-old and start teaching them. There are some 90-year-olds that still are learning. But it's just not, it's contrary to nature. If they're already done, why teach them? So let me ask you this. If If you're already done, why is Jesus still teaching you? 
if you're finished, why is Jesus still teaching you? I'll tell you why. Because you might be done, but he's not done. You might be finished, but he's not finished. He's teaching you because he's going to produce something in you. He's going to develop something out of you. He's going to make you something that you're not on your own. Jesus Christ has a mission and he's going to accomplish it in your life. So you might think this morning, I'm done. And this is really what the Lord is saying to us. There are some of you in this church who said, I'm done. I'm too old. I'm finished. I've, I've had my day. I've, I've tried it. And God is saying, you're not done yet. I have still more work for you to do. I still have some growth to bring into your life. So keep learning. Keep sitting at the feet of the master. Learn to hear the voice of Jesus. Peter was there cleaning his nets and once Jesus is finished teaching, he says to Peter, throw your net in. Go out into the deep. Throw your your net in for a catch. And Peter said in one breath, one sentence. Lord, we have worked all night and caught nothing, but at your word, I will throw in the net. I think it was all just like that. Unbelief and faith all at the same time. Lord, we have, we have fished all night and caught nothing, but at your word, I will throw in the net. Let me tell you, friend, the word of Jesus is the absolute mandate of the church. You want to grow in your spiritual life, you need to listen to the voice of God. To obey the voice of God. How many of you obey God's voice? Come on, how many of you do God, what God says? All right. I'm hoping for a majority in here this morning. You cannot grow spiritually until you learn to hear his voice. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? Tell your neighbor, ouch. Jesus said, don't call me Lord if you're not going to do what I tell you to do. God wants you to hear his voice. We began the year talking about hearing the voice of God. How many of you can hear God's voice? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And another they will not follow. So if you are his sheep, you can hear his voice. You say, I have to be a pastor to be able to hear God's voice. No, you can be a sheep and hear God's voice. He said... My sheep hear my voice, another they will not follow. They won't hear the voice of a stranger. But you see, it's not just about hearing God's voice. We have to obey God's voice. We have to do what he says. Peter said, even in unbelief and tired and weary as he was, he said, Lord, at your word. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I don't have all the formula figured out. But at your word. 
And I believe this morning that there's some of you who are looking for answers. You're looking for solutions to, to things. And, and you, don't, you don't want to say yes to Christ until you have all the, all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. Can I tell you, it's going to require some faith on your part to say, Lord, at your word. I don't understand it all. I can't explain the Trinity. I can't explain the Godhead. I don't have all the facts and figures, but at your word. I don't see how a cross 2,000 years ago and a man sacrificed on it could save my sin and save me from my sin. But Lord, at your word, it's that simplicity of faith that God is looking for. Sometimes we think, oh, God is looking for some, some, some great sacrifice. He's looking for some great commitment. He's looking for some great offering. Can I tell you, friend, God is looking for a simple belief on your part, simple faith that says, God, I believe you. I trust your word. I believe that you are my savior by faith and that is enough. It's sufficient. I told a story this morning about a pastor who's building a church and, and the neighbor was a, uh, they had a four year old and, and the four year old would climb the fence and come and hang around at the construction site and the pastor said he didn't like having him around because he was very he had a, he had a, a bad mouth. He swore like a sailor, which is an insult because not everybody, not all sailors swear, but others swear worse than sailors. And this was a four-year-old boy. He said, son, you can't be around here. You, you, this is a sacred place. And you look, you know, you have a very bad mouth. And the little boy would come over anyway. And finally he asked the preacher, he said, who's the daddy around here? He said, well, I guess I am. He said, well, why do they call you brother and not daddy? He said, well, you know, when you, when you give your life to Christ, you become part of the family of God, and you are now brothers and sisters in Christ. He said, I want to be your brother. How do I become your brother? He said, well, you have to invite Jesus into your heart. He said, the four-year-old raised his hands. He said, Jesus, come into my heart. He said, no, that's too easy. That's the problem. We want it to be complicated. Religion is complicated. Relationship is easy. Relationship is Jesus, come in to my heart. It's that simple invitation of faith that says, God, come in. At your word. When you open your heart to Christ, you open your heart to the voice of God, He will speak to you. The more you listen, the more He'll speak. Problem with much of the the church today in America is that we are governed by our traditions and we're governed by our experience and we're not being governed by the voice of God. That's why families are falling apart in the church and out because they're not being governed by the voice of God. You and I have to have a commitment, a resolve in these days to say at your word. I will do what you say. I will, I will go where you tell me to go. I will say what you tell me to say. He said, Lord, we worked hard all night, but at your word, we'll cast the net in again. 
scripture said that he went out into the deep. Now, have you ever been fishing? You know how much work it is to get out there and then come back in, clean up your nets, put everything back in its place, and then go out again. And they didn't have an outboard motor. They didn't even have a peke-peke. They had to raise a sail and get out into the deep. When they went out into the deep, they, the Bible said they let down their net for a catch. And when they brought up their net again, it was full with such a great catch. The scripture said that the nets were breaking. And the boat was sinking. They had to get help from the partner. They had to flag down the, the, the partner boat and say, come and help us. We need some help. And this morning, I want to speak to you prophetically, Kingsway Church, that God is saying to us, cast your net again. Cast your net again. Because I am about to give you a great catch. Now I don't I don't mind if you're if you're just listening and focused this morning, but I need some faith in the house of God this morning because I am speaking the word of the Lord. God said, Cast your net again. Some of you were called to preach. And you tried it and you didn't get much fruit. And I'm telling you, it's time to cast your net again. Maybe you had a ministry and it didn't work out the way you thought. But God is saying, cast your net again. Can I tell you, church, that God is opening up doors in our hearts. Ideas that are coming from heaven. I, I told you this message wasn't for everybody. But it's for somebody. I always speak to people in business. God said, cast your net in again. Oh, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Pastor. You don't know how hard it is to get this thing going. I'm telling you what God said. He said, tell my people to cast in their net. Because I'm going to give them a great catch. Now I'm done. What are you going to do with it? You see... This is, not a, this is not a sermon for coming to the altar for. This is a sermon for leaving here and doing something. You remember at the beginning of this year, God said, I will bless whatever you do. What have you done? If God said he would bless what we do, what have you done? It's 
time to do something. Listen, God said this to us. He said, I'm going to do twice as much in the second half of the year as I did it in the first. What do you think we're going to do about it? You're just going to sit and watch? Are we just going to sit and watch? No, what are we going to have to do? Something. We have to cast our net. And you might say, I'm, I'm done. You're not done. Because God is giving the church an open heaven. He has given this church an open heaven. And I refuse to go to heaven with an open heaven and not have done anything on the earth. This is a day for decision. It's a day for commitment. But it's a day to try again for some of you. A day in which God says, the first time you went out there on your own, and you did what you knew how to do. But this time, I'm going with you. And I'm going to show you how to do this. Come on, Kingsway Church. You are about to see the greatest days of this church. And I believe that that is corporate as well as individuals. I've said, maybe you said, I'm done with this marriage. God said, the last time you tried it, that was your way. Let's do it my way this time. Maybe you said, I'm done with these children. Done with this family. God said, that's that's how you did it. But let me do it my way. Maybe you said, I'm done with God because you tried it your way. Guess what? God doesn't do it our way, does he? He's saying to you, cast your net again. I'm going to show you how to live for me. I'm going to show you how to serve me. I'm going to show you how to grow spiritually. I'm going to make you the man or woman you're supposed to be. God says, I will do a work in your day which you would not believe even if I told you. Do you know that more than 20 nations are hearing the preaching of this pulpit? It's just, just it's, God said he would bless whatever we do, right? We have a simple podcast. Some of you don't even know about it. Every week what's preached here in the pulpit is put on that podcast. Kingsway Beeville on SoundCloud. 
And when you look at the list of where people are listening, you're, I'm looking at nations like Mexico, Argentina, Costa Rica, Brazil, Chile, Argentina. We're even being heard in Europe. So you're sending the gospel to the nations and you didn't even know about it. God said he would bless what we do. Imagine if we did more. I said imagine if we did more. Hallelujah. what you believe, you will see the glory of God. Because this is a year of God's favor on this church. And and it's not over. It's just started. Now this 21 day shift is significant because it, as I told you last week, it has brought us from one place to another. But here's the problem. The enemy is going to oppose that. He always does. Because we're gaining new ground. New territory. I believe you're going to gain new ground in business. And I believe you're going to gain new ground in your relationships. And I believe you're going to gain new ground in ministry. And I believe some of your homes are going to become places for people to gather and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's not without opposition. So when when the storm comes, don't panic. Let me give you another fisherman story. Jesus is preaching, there's 20,000 people. Now any preacher who's preaching to 20,000 will stay there as long as he can. But Jesus said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. If I was on the on the team, I would have said, Lord, we have not even done all the visitor cards yet. You know, give us some time. He said, we're going to the other side. And they get in the boat. And there's a storm. Right? The water starts coming in the boat. The disciples think they're going to die. These were fishermen. They thought they were going to die. That ought to tell you something. And Jesus is sleeping. They wake him up. They said, Lord, don't you care if we're perishing? He gets up and he says, Peace. Be still. Bible says that the wind stopped and the sea became calm. 
And they marveled, just like they did in Luke 5. They marveled at him, saying, What kind of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Now, that's where most of the time the church has a camp meeting. The storm gets calmed down and the church has a camp meeting. We start singing. He didn't have to bless me, but he did. And then we go on home. But the storm was not the end of the story. Jesus got over the other side and one man came walking to him. And this man was possessed by a legion of devils, about 2,000 demons. And he says, what do we have to do with you? The demon came to Jesus and made himself subject to him. And Jesus delivers that man. And you know the story. The man wants to go with Jesus back on the boat. And Jesus says, no, you go tell your, your city. Go tell your family what God has done for you. You see, God was about to bring freedom to a whole region through one man. He was about to deliver an entire region through one man. But in order to get to that new ground, he had to go through a storm. And see, much of the church, we start celebrating after the storm instead of realizing that we're just getting started. When you get through a storm, it's not time to sit in your easy chair and say, thank you, Jesus. It's time to get on the battlefield and invade because you have the power of God behind your life. So don't panic in the storm. Realize that this storm was only an attempt to hinder me from getting the new territory that God has for me. And if God has territory for you, that you can guarantee there's going to be some storms, there's going to be some big waves and some mighty winds, but our God is greater than the storm. So don't sit and ease after the storm. How many of you have been through a storm this week, this month? Guess what? When the storm's over, Invade. I said, when the storm is over, invade. Cast your net in again. Cast your net in again. Kingsway Church, cast your net in again. Father, I receive this word for this church. You said that for many years and even decades, the church has cast its net and caught nothing. But this is the season for the believing church. 
a season of provision and multiplication and miraculous abundance. And if no other church will hear your voice, we will. And we say, we will cast our net again.